Welcome, Cyclone fans, to another episode of Down the Pipe and Natty Light. As always, I'm your host, Levi Stevenson. Cole is out this week, having treating his lady to a nice birthday dinner, so I'm holding the fort down here with Marching Murdoch. How's it going, Marching? Hey, how you doing? Not too bad. It's just uh, joined some NBA playoff stuff recently, some good recruiting news for Iowa State and both football and basketball. It's been a, been a good time so far, I think. So, uh, well, as I mentioned too, we'll 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 dive into the NBA playoffs and kind of all the stuff going around. There's some lots of good storylines happening and stuff like that right now. Um, right. So a couple a uh, couple of small pieces that we'll get into. We'll mention before we get into that. Uh, first thing I want to mention is uh, if anybody hasn't seen yet, we are hosting the first ever Wide Right Natty Light Actually Helping Farmers Charity Golf Outing uh, this summer. Uh, it'll be on July 20th at Coldwater Golf Links in Ames. I'm uh, not sure exactly what tea time is going to be, but sometime mid-morning. Um, registration is $85 a person or uh, $340 for a team. And that'll come with, you know, it'll come with cart, green fees, and uh, Stas will be providing uh, will be providing lunch for us. So we'll get some good tacos and tots out of that. Um, so if you, uh, if you have the registration uh, is in, there's a link to the registration in the article that's uh, pinned up on our homepage, but I'll include it in the uh, in the art in the article that goes along with this podcast as well. I'll include a link to it, uh, so you can go and register your team there. Otherwise, we are also we're also looking for sponsors for flag events, uh, for flag events for uh, individual holes, and for the drink card as well. So if you or your business are interested in advertising with us, there uh, there's a link in there's a link in the article, or you can send myself an email. Um, I believe my email is also in the article, so you can check that out. That should be a pretty good time. Four-person best shots are always a good time. But, Marcia, do you golf? Uh, I golf a little bit. Um, I've golfed probably like two or three times. Um, while I was at Iowa State, um, we had like a mentors program, and um, my mentor took me out to golf, and then Ames actually, and um, – we we did a nine hole um, that day, so it was pretty cool. Nice. Any good? Uh, I'm actually better than what I expected. Um, if if I really just practiced, and I could be pretty decent. I wouldn't say I'd be like that's fair. Great, but I think I'd be all right. Well, you're doing yeah. better than most than like probably eighty percent of golfers, anyways. So, <laughs> right. So, uh. Mentioned a couple mentioned before as well, some really nice recruiting news, both from high school and transfers for Iowa State. So we'll, uh, they talked about it a little bit on the Wide Right Natty Lightcast earlier this week, but Iowa State landed a really nice basketball recruit in, uh, named Caleb Grill uh, from Kansas. He's a combo guard. He actually did just a he was he's flew way under the radar. So he committed to South Dakota State when T.J. Otzelberger was the coach there. He committed to South Dakota State a while ago. And he had a .83 for his composite rating on two four seven, so he's kind of like a low three star. And then he so he decommitted when TJ Otzelberger went to UNLV, uh, had UNLV, Kansas State, and us in his final three. Ended up committing to us, and since he committed, since he signed with us, his final two four seven recruiting ranking jumped from a .83 to a .91. He jumped, I think, it was fifty one spots in the point guard rankings. That's or shooting guard. I think it was well, shooting guard or point guard rankings, whatever it was that he's listed in. He jumped fifty one spots and he jumped not. He jumped eight points 
on 247 recruiting rankings, which for anybody that's not familiar with how those rankings work, that is a massive jump. That's a really big jump, um, which shows just how far under the radar he was flying. Because as soon as he started looking at Kansas State and Iowa State and UNLV, then all of a sudden, you know, those are more major basketball programs, right? So now people are right. now people are looking, they're digging back through and finding all of his highlight tapes and his high and his 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 tapes look really good. Like really good. This guy's he's like six two or six three or something like that, so he's not absurdly tall or anything like that. But he is a freak mm-hmm. athlete. They're and like his high school teams like throwing him lobs in transition and stuff like that. Um and he can shoot, he's got distance way out to probably NBA range right now. Um there's multiple high yeah. there's multiple plays in a lot of his highlight films where he, you can see him taking, he's pulling up from 10 feet behind the three-point line and just cash. So he's a he's a good shooter. He's like, he's not as good as a shooter as like maybe like a Matt Thomas, but he's he's got a really nice shot for him and he uses his legs really well. So I think he can develop into a true like sharpshooter, I think. Um, but he's a much better athlete mm-hmm. than say like a Matt Thomas was where he can he can really finish at the rim and he can, he makes some, he makes some really athletic like chase down blocks and stuff like that in transition. So He's a very, very good get for Steve Brom. Uh, one of the comp- comp- player comparisons I saw on Twitter, shout out, I don't remember who it was, but shout out to them for this one. I, and as I got into looking at the film more and stuff like that, I, I really like this comparison. But is he's very similar to a guy like Dante DiVincenzo, who played at Villanova. He's in the NBA. He's in his rookie year in the NBA now, but he was he kind of was one of their like one of their best players during their championship run, and. Um, mm-hmm. That dude, he actually, he actually jumped. He had a forty-two inch vertical at the combine. I think he, he he posted the highest vertical at the combine ahead of like literally everybody. I mean, he he uh, posted a forty-two inch vertical. He was a good. He's a really really good shooter, like a forty percent three point shooter. And this and Caleb Girl has a chance to be a lot like that, where he's an exceptional athlete. He's a very good. He'll be. He's a very good defender. Um. he blocks the ball really well for his height. Like he gets a lot of nice chase down blocks, and he, he pokes the ball away. We'll have to see what his actual on ball mm-hmm. defense looks like, as far as stopping transition and things like that, or not transition, but stopping the dribble drive, things like that. Um, but he's certainly athletic enough to do it, and I think that's something that he that will develop. If he's not great at it right away, I'm thinking it's something that will definitely develop as he continues his career in Ames. Um, so as far as I'm, that's a big big win for Steve Prome after losing out on Severe Wheeler, who was like a almost he's a high four star point guard that ended up picking up picking Georgia over Iowa State that would have sorry, excuse me, would have fit really nicely with the offense. Uh but obviously didn't end up coming mm-hmm. to Iowa State. So Caleb Grill, um, you know, technically I guess a consolation prize because he's rated lower, but really he he fits extraordinarily well within the offense. And I think that he's got a good chance to get some playing pretty significant playing time off the bench this year. Um, so the other, the other nice recruiting win is a new tra- is a grad transfer receiver out of Arkansas named Lamichael Petway. He's six two. I don't remember how he's, he's a bigger bodied receiver. I don't remember how much he, they have him listed as for weight wise, but he's he's a bigger bodied receiver, a nice possession receiver. And I know, Margie, you kind of went through and looked at some of his tape a little bit. I mean, what were what are your first impressions of him? Uh, obviously, you know he's he's big, uh, looks tall, physical. Um, um, he, he uses his body well and, and, and you know, makes tough catches. Uh, kind of, I'm not really 
as far as a burner. Right. Um, but he does separate, gets gets open a little bit. So um, I think I think he'll be a guy kind of used like more uh, Allen compared to Hakeem. Right. Uh, yeah. If we're comparing uh, the last couple greats, but um, he looks pretty. He looks good, he looks good, and I know in the big uh, in the Big Twelve, it'll be a lot different facing Big Twelve corners than um, SEC DB. So right. I think I think he'll be able to you know definitely contribute. Well, I think the I think the impression or the the thought right now is he's basically a shoe in to start on day one. Um, one thing I guess I noticed too while uh, watching his tape a little bit is that he he does he does a really nice job of catching the ball with his hands away from his body as opposed to you know right. as opposed to catching it with his chest or something right. like that. I thought he did, does a mm-hmm. nice job of that, and he does a, I think he does a good mm-hmm. job too of using his strength to kind of leverage position against some of those corners, and he seems to be a pretty good route runner too. So. Like right. you said, like, like I think you made a good point there. Like you said, he's he he's a big, tall body, you know, big bodied receiver. But they'll probably use him more like Alan Lazard as opposed to Hakeem, where like you know they used Hakeem to to really stretch the field and really is a vertical mm-hmm. threat. Whereas Allen was a really nice big bodied possession receiver that you know you're not going to necessarily send him on a fly route, but you can use him uh, in the middle of the field. You can use you know he's a good route runner, so you can use him on on out routes, hitches, and stuff like that, where you can. He can really use his body to get some, you know, as a as a good first down, as a good guy that you can move the chains with. I think. Right. So I think. Yeah, uh, he. I mean, he, look, he looks pretty good. So. Yeah, uh, I, I can't wait. Absolutely, I, I. I mean, I really didn't see anything. I mean, I, and I really didn't see anything on his tape either. That would be like, you know, oh, I wish this was better. I mean. Because I mean, they're not going to use him like a vertical threat, like or like a stretch in the field kind of guy, like Akeem. So he honestly, and and they have Tariq Milton and Deshante Jones to do that. I mean, those guys are both plenty fast to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Landon Acres too. The, the, you know, those those guys can really run. They need they need a guy that can that they can count on to make contested catches in the middle of the field, things like that, pick up first downs, and that's right. exact. He fits that need perfectly. I th- mm-hmm. I, so uh, another. Exciting announcement, I guess, regarding Lev Michael Petway is that he actually will be joining us next week for the podcast. So we'll get to ask him a little bit, kind of why what what drew him to Iowa State as a transfer, and uh, especially from you know from an SEC school and things like that. Where he had, I mean, because he picked us over Auburn, so he could have gone to another SEC school, but he decided to come right. to Iowa State. So I'll be, um, which you know, I mean, there's a there's a lot of evidence to suggest that Iowa State football is in a much better place than Auburn football is right now. Um, mm-hmm. So from you know from the outside looking in, I guess I you know it's it's not hard to understand, but you know just from a name perspective, you know Auburn's a big football name, and it, and they're in the SEC, yeah. which is where he's coming from. So I mean, I I wouldn't I would have totally understand if he decided to go to Auburn because of those reasons. But so I'll be I'll be uh, I'm really excited really excited we can talk to him next week. And kind of get his thoughts on his early impressions on Iowa State fans and things like that. So that'll be that'll be a fun time next week. I guess. Well, actually, it's a good question. So, as a transfer into Iowa State with yourself when you were coming out of Illinois, what was what drew you to Iowa State? Um, I think just the coaching staff. Uh, I think we're coming from Illinois. Illinois didn't. I think the atmosphere kind of helped out too because it was packed houses even though the guys weren't doing that well so just right. you know just a different atmosphere as well obviously the coaching staff teammates 
um, you know, obviously I can get, you know, a good uh, master's degree and it'd be credible anywhere in the country um, with Iowa State being a, you know, a great university. So, right. Because you know, was, was... It, it, it was just... Go ahead. Compared, yeah, I mean, it was just it was just a great fit um, for me personally. Yeah. Um, and just on top of that, you know, obviously everything football wise, that and the atmosphere, I think, is what kind of set it apart too. Um, I never visited a game day, but I happened to see some games on TV to know that, you know, uh, that Iowa State brings it every every week. Yeah. Now, did uh, I guess I'm assuming because he also came from Illinois, but did like Coach Golish kind of help recruit you a little bit? Yeah, Coach Golish was helped me help recruit me, uh, and then you know with Coach Gaster being there, Coach Campbell and Coach Manning uh, and Coach Lou at the time. Right, it was uh, just a great fit. Yeah, so we'll uh, well, I'll be I'll be uh, we're I'm excited to talk to Michael next week and kind of. I guess not so unofficially, I suppose, welcome to the, the Cyclone family, because as I'm sure Margie can attest, is that even if you're here for one or two years, I mean, once you're once you're part of the Iowa State family, you know, not just in the program, but with the fans too, that you're you're a Cyclone forever. So we uh, so moving on from that a little bit too, um, let's uh let's dive into the NBA playoffs a little bit. Got some interesting storylines coming out from both the East and the West. So uh, let's start in the East a little bit. So obviously you got um, this this series that ended last night, the Celtics and the Bucks. Uh, there was some speculations. I think were through a lot of the season that Kyrie wasn't maybe the team leader that people thought he was going to be, and he from from the stories we're hearing, essentially he's kind of started distancing himself from his teammates a little bit. I guess did you did you watch the Celtics game last night? I did. Um, you know they obviously stunk up the joint, played pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, just looked like, but you know, it's surprised because them all year, and I think all year they just been up and down, up and down. Yeah, it um, seemed very uncharacteristic for, for a Brad Stevens team, right? And for them, for them to think. Um, that they could just turn on the switch, and obviously they beat Indiana without Victor Oladipo. That could have been a different series if, if right. he was there. Uh, who knows? Because um, Indiana was in a lot of those games, and in fact, they were up um, on the Celtics double digits. I think twice out of the four games that they played, with one being in Boston, one being in Indiana. In Indiana, so yeah, uh, it could have been a whole different series. It could have been earlier, but I think. Obviously, with Indiana, without having Victor Oladipo, it was just tough for them. But when you play against the Bucks, um, you know they they stole one the first game, and you know it kind of everybody kind of bought onto the Celtics hype, and then you know to see the Bucks winning game two, and I think what kind of took the air out of everything was um, the Bucks winning game three and four. When right. I said one game three and four, it kind of was just all. You know, it kind of blew up, and everybody was just, you know, waiting for it to fall. And, right. And next thing you know, um, you know, they're down twenty at the Bucks. I think obviously the Kyrie situation and, and Gordon Harris situation um, was difficult for the young guys. Kyrie was saying that 
kind of blaming the young guys for most of the things that happened early on in the year, saying that they don't listen and just different things like that. Right. And I think those guys are getting tired because those are the same guys that take them to the Eastern Conference Finals. Right. So at the same time, um, you know, you have to look at Curry's leadership. You have to look at, you know, the GM and the head coach. And I, I would say they take the fall because, you know, with lesser, I guess you could say the lesser talented team went all the way to, uh, to the Eastern Conference Finals in the Game 7 at home. Right. You know, they, they, were, they were that close to being in the finals. So, you know, it, it's, um, you know, it, it's kind of what I – Yeah. It's not really what I expected out of that series because I really thought it would go seven. I yeah. Thought, I really thought the Bucks would win, but because – they have the home court. I think. I think. That, well, I mean, I think part of it too is the Bucks have. It's going to be the home team. The Bucks have like objectively the best player on the floor in that series. I mean, right? There's a. I mean, there's an argument to be made that Giannis is the best player on the planet right now. I mean, the the, the Bucks had the superior top end talent, and they they see they just they played better as a team throughout the whole season. I mean, obviously, as evidenced by their number one seed. Um. I don't think even if even if the Celtics somehow managed to scrape out of that series, I don't see any way that they beat the Raptors or the Sixers on on a seven game series. I just especially the Raptors with with how well the Raptors have generally played um, with Kawhi playing really well now. So, um, and I'm I'm happy for Giannis too because I think I think he's yeah you know, like I said he's probably a top five player in the NBA right now, and I think he's he's I think he's for sure a top five player in the NBA right now, and I think there's a right. There's an argument to be made that he is the best player in the world, you know, alongside Kevin Durant or, you know, I, I don't know if LeBron James is as much of a lock in that conversation as he was last year or two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, young team, a really, really young team with a lot of really good player, good, it's full of a lot of really good role players and a really super likable superstar. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm happy the Bucks went through, through out of that one. To face uh, either the Raptors or the Sixers in this next series, uh, Kawhi has played really well the last couple of games, like really, really well. Uh, to the point where I believe is was, was Max Kellerman said that I don't I don't know where he got this take from, but he said that Kawhi Leonard is a better clutch player than Kobe Bryant. Um, that. <laughs> That's a that's a hot take. I'm not I'm not sure if I'm on board with that one. Yeah, I'm definitely not on board. I think it was just you know a product of. I think that was recency bias Kobe there. Has triple Kobe has triple the amount of uh, clutch shot attempts than Kawhi. Mm-hmm. Um, you know Kawhi's been playing great. You know, give him all the credit. Um, just don't think he's on that level yet. Um, he could potentially get there, and he could you know, potentially pass Kobe if he continues to hit clutch shots like he's been doing. Right. But um as of right as of right now, at this moment, he's not a he's not a clutch player. You could see him in the future. Um I mean it's not a far fetched thing, I guess. Um, right. but right now at this moment he's not. Um and I and it, it brings me to a to a subject I think I think people are I think the most disrespected um, superstar of all time. I was just going to ask Kobe you that Bryant. question. If is if if I Kobe think, Bryant I, is the most disrespected superstar I, of any sport? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think 
Um, I don't really know about any sport. There's probably some more, but I major think major American sports, like, I should say. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to include soccer. Getting, yeah, yeah. His name is getting thrown into a lot of like who's better debates. They're kind of like saying yeah. these people are better than him, and I just think people need to pump the brakes, slow down. Um, look back at some games, re rethink whatever they're saying because Kobe Bryant is one of the all time great players in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he arguably top ten, top five, wherever you you know, specifically right. Adam, he's he's there. And I, I mean, mean for I a long time that. he was the best people player in the world. So, it was, it yeah, was, I mean, it was like a decade he was people are quick people people are quick to um people are quick to just throw Kobe's name in there like, you know, you know, even with the Shaq combination, like Shaq carry Kobe. Well, you know, there was a lot of instances where Kobe and Shaq would have basically the same amount of points or the same amount of averages. Um, right. Obviously Shaq would get more of the hype because um, he'd get the points, the rebounds, it, you know, crazy numbers, but Kobe would score just as much points. I mean, uh, Kobe was the heartbeat Shaq, of that team, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, Shaq was a yeah. really nice extra set, a really nice second piece or, you know, one and a half, one B piece. But Kobe was the heartbeat of that team. Mm-hmm. And he, he was the heartbeat of the Lakers for his entire career. Right. And I just, I think people do just slow down, pump the brakes, rethink before they speak because um, Kobe Bryant was an excellent, excellent player. And he, he doesn't, he doesn't deserve this type of disrespect that he's getting. And he was he was become, dominant on both ends of the floor. It's starting to be alarming. Yes, yeah, it's starting to become alarming. Yeah, I, I 100% agree there. I, I don't know how it became easy to forget, but somehow it has become easy to forget how dominant Kobe was. Like there was when when Kobe was on, he was there was no there wasn't a hope and a prayer of anybody stopping him. Like he he like his his hot when he was hot and he was playing really well. It was hotter than almost anybody else's hot that's ever played. Like when LeBron gets really hot, like he's you know he can be a a good streaky shooter at you know earlier in his career. Anyways, he was a good streaky shooter and stuff like that. That when he got hot from three, you know he was really really hard to guard. Obviously, because you could you know dr- could drive it on anybody. Um, when Kobe was hot, he would hit threes on you. He'd dunk on you. He hit turnaround mid ranges. Like there was literally no limit to his offensive game, especially when he was hot. Right. Um, and I just people and people forget that too, and they and they forget how good defensively he was. So, I mean, that dude was a lockdown defender. I mean, because mm-hmm. he he was kind of the last of the old school guards that you know they wanted to they like they saw it as if you scored on them, that was a you know that was that was personal. Like they they took it personally yeah. whenever someone scored on them, and they were just more competitive than you. He was kind of the last of that mm-hmm. old school mentality. And people don't realize how dominant he was. Like, especially the younger crowd here that would have been like really young. Like, especially pretty much anybody, especially anybody in high school right now. But anybody like most people that are in high school or college right now that weren't, they didn't really get to watch Kobe when he was really, really good because they just or they were just too young to understand what was happening. Um, mm-hmm. they did. They just can't appreciate it. How how ridiculously good Kobe was, especially when he was when he was hot. 
that he was, I mean, he yeah. led some garbage ass Lakers teams to some really nice playoff runs. And, uh, so anyways, so to get back to our off, off of that tangent, <coughs> um, so let's head over to the, so that, that series, that series sits, uh, Philadelphia is up three, two right now. Do you think Philly puts mm-hmm. that away tonight or I, I don't know. It's, it's in uh, Philly. Part of me, my brain's telling me to pick Toronto, but my heart's telling me uh, Philly's going to come out inspired, mm-hmm. play bad, and, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's at home. We'll Sixers are up. It's at home. I think they're they're the more well-rounded team. They need another shooter, but they – or another shooter, no, at least one more, if not two more shooters. But mm-hmm. they're just they're, – they're really solid. So they're really solid defensively. So – as far as I'm concerned, I think I, I think I'm going to go Philly out of that series. Or wait, sorry, I, I lied. I lied out of that Philly's not up three two. The Raptors are up three two. I, I don't know why I said Philly's up three two. Uh, the Raptors are up three two, and it's at Philly right now. So I think I'm still going to take the 76ers at home to, to send it to Game Seven mm-hmm. in Toronto. Um. Yeah, I just think they're they're too solid defensively, especially at home. They play really well, so um, I would think that I think I think then Toronto will take that at home and end up winning that in seven. But uh, so let's head yeah. over. Go ahead. Yeah, I agree. Okay, uh, let's head over to the Western Conference here. We got the Nuggets and the Trailblazers playing out right now. Denver's up three uh, two. The really the main one out of that. I mean, they're both both teams are kind of. They've been under the under the radar a lot of the season because um, they're not like they're not the Rockets or the Warriors or the Thunder or whatever the big headline teams, um, but uh, it's quietly been a really good series so far. And Nikola Jokic is playing unbelievably; like he's averaging almost a triple double this season or this series. He's you know something like in mid twenties in points and high teens in rebounds. Like he's been unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess so. Right now they're at Portland tonight. Um, think Portland ties it up, or you think Denver walks away, or do you think Denver clinches it up tonight? I think Portland wins tonight and turns it to a game seven. Then do you then do you have Denver winning at home to take the series, or? Uh, yeah. I think I'll. Uh, I think I'll take Denver tonight to, to finish it out. I mean, I know it's in Portland, but I think, um, especially if Jokic keeps playing as well as he has been, I think they'll, uh, I think they'll take that and, and clinch it in six. Where then they'll have to play the winner of the Rockets and the Warriors. So now the, the interesting thing about here is obviously because last night Kevin Durant had his injury, where during the game it looked it was a non-contact injury, which is always always well not always but almost always bad. Um, really, really bad. And a lot of people kind of were speculating that it was an Achilles injury. Uh, it came out that it was a mild calf strain, but he has been ruled out for the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. So they play tomorrow night at Houston. Mm-hmm. Golden State's up 3-2 in the series, obviously. So what's your what's – your, I mean, so now, really now Golden State is – now they're back to the, the core that won them the mm-hmm. first couple titles. You know, their their seventy three win team had this core that's still playing right now: Draymond Green, Steph, and Clay. 
Do you think, I mean, do you think that they take a step back and lose this one at Houston and then you see what happens in, in Oakland or? You know, uh, you know, I think Houston's pretty much the favorite for game six, but I don't know, man. I've seen, I've seen, um, underdogs. I, I, me personally, I think the Warriors might win game six. Um, I think, I think Houston's best bet was to win this game and to win in six. Um, I think the Warriors win this series. Um, um, with Katie going down, I think Stephen Clay knows that they have to carry the load offensively. The only thing I'm worried about is their depth. Um, you know, Stephen Clay's probably going to have to play 40-plus minutes, um, get rested towards the end of the quarters and stuff like that. But, uh you know, with everybody picking Houston for Game Six, it's it's setting up perfect, setting up perfectly for uh, you know Golden State to go in there as an underdog, feel feel disrespected that people forget. You know, Stephen Clay maybe feel disrespected that you know nobody thinks they can win just because KD KD and Boogie's down and Draymond. I think they're going to play inspired. It probably could be like a slugfest. Like I think, like early on in the game, game six, Houston comes out inspired. But then, it, as the game comes down, you can just see it. it you know, it fading away. I, I, I think I honestly believe they can win game six. Um, if they don't, um, then I think they'll win. In, they'll win in seven. But if if if, if people said pick your team for game six, I go with the Warriors. I think I'm with you there too. I mean that that core is just too good. Um, I know, and I know that their bench. They're, I know they're not deep. That their bench is not very good. But they they'll have new guys getting minutes, like Jonas Sharepko, who is. I mean, he's not a great player, but he is a stretch that fits their system really well. And um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think they'll be fine. I think Houston's got too many problems. Um, I think Golden State will right. close it out in six. They get to take. They get to take next week off. Uh, get get KD healthy, hopefully, and then in my mind, um, so then they'll. It, so then I think we're both in agreement that they'll end up taking taking on the Nuggets next, and then we'll see if mm-hmm. see what that's that that series should be really good. If we get if you get the Warriors and the Nuggets in the in the Western Conference Finals, I think that'd be a really nice series against the. I mean, I think objectively the two best teams in the Western Conference where it's it's those two and I think there's a little bit of space and then you have the rest of the conference. Mm-hmm. And uh, both teams get up and down really, really nicely. I think that should be a really fun game to watch. So we'll, uh, as, as these series get goes, goes on, we'll, we'll uh, take a look more at those final series. So we'll take a minute here and say thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Estas, and then we'll wrap her up. We'd like to say thank you to one of our excellent sponsors. They sponsored our live show last fall, uh, and we'll continue to sponsor our podcast going forward. It's the Stoss Bar and Grill in Ames. It's a great place right down in Campus Town. It's a great place to uh, go watch a game, have a nice cold beer, or any other kind of drink. They have great food. Stoss is best known for serving up some of the best tacos in, in Ames. But they also have great burgers, cheese balls, wings, and lots of other great stuff. Now... Estas will even deliver food directly to your door any day of the week until 10 p.m. 
Everyone knows about Taco Tuesday. With all-you-can-eat taco bar from 11 to 3 and $1.17 tacos from 5 to midnight. However, don't forget about lunch deals. All-you-can-eat tacos for $8, $6 cheeseburger baskets, including fries or a salad, $6 quesadillas, $5.50 three tacos, $6 pulled pork baskets, and $6 taco salads. All of these specials go great with one of over our 100 beers or margaritas. These specials run every day from 11 to 3. You can go get good domestic draws. They have specials for basketball games and football games. I actually remember watching Cole's kick at Iowa when he hit that game winner at Estas. Yeah, it's, it's a lucky place. I, I barely remember the I barely remember the kick, but it was a good it was a good time to watch that game. So if you want to have other great memories just like that, head on down to Estas, get some good food, uh, some great drinks, and uh, and really enjoy your time down there. It's right down there in Campus Town. Uh, so head on down there whenever you get hungry for some tacos. So that's March. I think we'll uh, rate a wrap up for this week. Are you getting any parting thoughts? Uh, a lot of pressure on Houston. Definitely. No, a lot of pressure. Because I, I think people think they're the favorites to win it now. Um, but So it's a lot of pressure. We'll see if they can live up to it. Yeah, that's not, my, my end of thought. Not so fast. Still got Golden State there, and they're still Golden State. Even without even without KD, Golden State is still Golden State. So I think we'll uh, wrap up this episode for a week. Nice little short and sweet episode uh, while we kind of wait for some you know some of the NBA playoff stuff to shake out. A little bit more Cyclone football news, and don't forget next week we will have Michael Pettway on the on down the pipe and Natty Light. So we're excited to talk to him. So for everybody, uh, let's see. You know, one thing I actually you know one thing I wanted to talk about too is actually earlier this week actually it was just today uh one of our one of our contributors jake brand did a really really good job he did he did a recruit scouting report basically he talked about jarell brock went through all of his tape and um kind of look at you know strength and weaknesses how he fits in the scheme and things like that and if you have not checked that out yet you should absolutely take a look at that uh at our jarell brock recruit scouting report because I think as you get to watch his tape a little bit, it's impossible not to see. I mean, when I take a look at, it, I see a. I'm not. I'm not going to compare him to him because it's. It's you know from a talent perspective and overall, you know, is he this good? But from a stylistic perspective, he reminds me a lot of Adrian Peterson. Kind of a nice one cut guy, good open field, good open field moves, but you know can really power through defenders. Be he's an exciting prospect to watch. So if you can, absolutely take a take a look at that article. So for uh, myself, Marchie Murdoch, we'll uh, have everybody. We'll see you guys all next week when we uh, talk to our new Cyclone, Michael Petway. So everybody have a great week, a great weekend, and go Cyclones. Mm-hmm.